everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Uh, that is really, really good news. I got, uh, you guys clapped at the appropriate time, actually, during that video. So, so I hope, hope everybody online also heard that. There was this moment where we realized that all of a sudden, God did something that this, this church or this organization didn't plan. Uh, and that's the, that was the, what I was hoping people were going to take away from this story this morning, is that God is moving. And if we, if you, if we were hoping that only this organization was going to be able to solve it, woo! Ooh, we're, we're in trouble. And so what we need is all hands on deck. So that's a really powerful story. And I'm really glad that Yuri was able to share it with us. Now, today's main scripture, and this is going to be a sermonette. It's like a sermon's little brother. So it's going to be short. But today's main scripture is going to be from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. So maybe you want to get that queued up. Um, uh, however, right before we read that, this will give you a moment, I, I believe if everything goes well, we're going to have just a brief message from our friends across the way over in Kids World from the Life Center. Is that true? Are you guys on there? Is this working? Testing, testing. Is this thing on? Okay, so if you didn't understand what they said, they said, hi. Uh, so can we do, can we do a, a solid and maybe uh, let's, let's, let's even stand to our feet for just one second so we can get some our, our lungs filled. Uh, and let's let them hear us back. And let's just say a quick, hi. That's right. They didn't see that, but maybe they heard it. Uh, stay, stay, hey, hey, stay seated for just one second here. This is a bit of a change of atmosphere. We're going we're gonna to read through uh, this text. But re- uh, really briefly, before we get to this text, I want to I wanna say something uh, to, to many of you. This video that we just saw makes me very, very happy. And it makes me very happy for a lot of reasons, but not least of which is because I think that for some of you, that video, the hundreds of kids that are gathered over here in Life Center, represents not merely joy, but it also represents sacrifice. I think for some of you, uh, if, because you're human, you would have this natural tendency inside you to want to gather with people who share your same culture, who share your same, frankly, your same language, people who look and sound like you. It's completely normal to want that. And yet, not only for yourselves, but also for the sake of your children, you have laid aside some of your some of your preferences and some of your rights so that not only you, but also your kids can be raised in this multi-generational, multi-ethnic culture. And listen, you watch, yeah, that's good. We can celebrate that. I'm, I'm glad for it. Yeah, it's good. And we walk a bit of a tightrope, don't we? Because we want our kids to understand and appreciate our own cultures, in some respects, their own cultures. We want that, right? Yet we want it to be understood that all of those cultures, even you know, the so-called majority culture, all of those cultures are subservient. They play a second fiddle, to use an Anglicism, to the kingdom culture that Christ himself instituted and that the Holy Spirit is building in our midst. And so as a leader in this church, and as a father of two little people who happens to be over there learning about uh, Christ alongside people from at least a dozen, at least a dozen countries this morning, from the 
bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. And I want to say, I know I speak too fast, and I'm, I am working on it. Okay, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, uh, and then I'll let you sit down, I promise. But Matthew t- chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, this is from the NIV. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Say, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age you may be seated. Now, these last two verses, verses 19 and 20, they're often referred to in English as the Great Commission. Now, for roughly the last four years of our, uh, our church's life, we have closed our service with what we kind of call our mission statement. You may have heard it, God's love in us to the world. And you've maybe, uh, you've heard us say that this is sort of an amalgam of two different things. So the Great Commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the Great Commission, which I just read. Now, for some of you, this is news. That's okay. Welcome. I'm glad you're here uh, for the first or the 13th time, whatever. We're really glad you're here. Some of you maybe grew up in the church. Some of you are maybe as old school as I am. And when you hear the words Great Commission, maybe you're even going King James on me. Because honestly, when I hear Great Commission, I, I hear, go ye, therefore. Go ye. You know, I, I suddenly turn into like a Shakespearean actor whenever I hear the words Great Commission. And that's a bit of an inside joke. I'm, I'm sorry. But that's kind of what I'm used to. However, here's the truth. And this is the truth of the changing reality, that many of you read the Bible in a language that is not English. And so I actually have no idea how your version of the Bible renders the Greek original. I will say that I've surveyed a lot of English translations, and the overwhelming majority of them, whether they're newer ones or older ones, they all do something similar to what we've already heard this morning, which is go. The Greek word um, that we uh, are looking at here originally, and I might butcher it, I'm sorry, is paruthentes, paruthentes. Uh, And some of you are experts in Greek. I am not, and so dangerous territory. Um, But if you see here, this word, it shows up a number of times elsewhere in the scriptures, actually. Without getting into the weeds here, I'm not going to, the word is translated elsewhere, sometimes as go, sometimes it's translated as went, and sometimes it's translated as having went. And that last one is because the word is actually a participle. Can you say that? That's fun. Participle. So so a a verb is like, you know, walk, so walk, and a participle is walking, so that's the I-N-G part of it, right? So talk is like a verb, and then talking is a participle, or if you have what we have here, a past participle, so in other words, like having walked, or having talked, or having bored people to Death, no, okay, come on, stick with me. There's a reason, there's a reason for this, I promise. And the reason that we're talking about grammar is because it is perfectly appropriate to translate the word peruthentes as go. But if we don't also kind of understand it as going, then I believe we are missing or could be missing part of an aspect of the command. Because sometimes, church, you go, and sometimes you're going. 
Sometimes you go, and sometimes, sometimes you're going. And that might not make sense yet, but stick with me, and I believe that it will. Now, it seems wise to me in a service like this to kind of highlight some of the traditional ways that our church partners in missions, but I want to rattle through this. I know I said I was going to try to speak more slowly, but just right now, I'm going to kind of blow through, okay? So over the last year, we've invested over $300,000 into missions by partnering with local, regional, and global missions organizations. We directly support missionaries in Haiti, South Africa, and Burkina Faso, and members of our church have stepped up and stepped out in faith to personally intervene in disaster relief in various countries through World Hope International. And this, my friends, is just a sampling of the quote-unquote official ways that this body has taken seriously the call to global mission. There are no doubt hundreds of you who support missionaries and missions agencies in your own way. And in the days ahead, this church is hoping to bolster our relationship with some overseas communities, not by only sending money, but by sending people. We always have been and we plan to remain a church that is very serious about global missions, about fulfilling this particular understanding of the Great Commission. And as Pastor Joel said just from this very platform last Sunday, we are ascending church. If you'd like to find out a little bit more information about missions or maybe even keep track with us as things develop, all of it is available, uh, or at least a lot of it, at mw.church missions. Now, one last little understanding of global missions before we move on. And this is where I'm going to have to beg you to pardon my ignorance. Um, it would have been about three or four years ago, I remember clearly, standing out in the atrium here, uh, just outside the, the walls of this sanctuary. And I ran into a man who uh, was an Arabic speaker from Turkey. And after a few minutes of a conversation, you know, kind of getting back and forth and trying to refine terms, it became clear to me that this man uh, did not come to Canada primarily as a refugee. He didn't even come here primarily as an immigrant. But in his own understanding, he had come here as a missionary. And I will be honest, in that moment, I became surprised. Uh, I, I was surprised because I had grown up thinking that, that wasn't really how this worked. I was raised to think that we uh, would send people over there, and that's how this would work. Um, now, I'm not here to do an infomercial for the Wesleyan Church. Some of you don't even know that you're in a Wesleyan Church. Welcome. This is a denomination called the Wesleyan Church, uh, but you're glad to, I'm glad to have you here whether you know about this denomination or not. Um, I will say, I, I'm not on the take here. I'm not getting any money for this, I promise. Uh, but th I, there, there is going to be coming up here in just the beginning of August a membership class. Uh, and so I would actually recommend if you are not currently a member of this church, but you consider this to be your home. Um, there's some things coming up in the next few uh, months that you may want to have a say in. And so heading over to mw.church slash membership and finding out uh, how you can become an active and engaged member of this congregation might not be an uh, uh, unwise thing to do. In that process, you'll find out a little bit more about this denomination. That was all a little bit of a rabbit trail. Let me get back on point. The point is that this denomination has kind of come alive over the last few years to the growing reality that we no longer live, and maybe never even did, frankly, in a world where so-called developed nations send help over to developing nations as though we have it all figured out, but rather we are a part of the way that God is building his kingdom by sending all people from all nations to all nations, and whoever is most equipped to lead and to build at any point in time is empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. The Wesleyan Church actually has a bit of a slogan for this, and they call it from everywhere to everywhere, from everywhere to everywhere. And I think that that's a really helpful 
thing to think about this morning. Uh, it not only is a vision that our church can get behind, but I think in some respects, it's also a description of where we've been for the last five years or so. So back to the Great Commission, back to Matthew 28. Sometimes you go and sometimes you're going. I just spent a few minutes unpacking the more traditional understanding of missions within a church's context. You know, these are women and men who feel a particular call to a particular place and for a particular time. And then they go to that place. They relocate, whether it's permanently or temporarily. These are go people. Now, the version of the Great Commission that we read, as I mentioned, is from the uh, Gospel according to Matthew. But if you're looking for examples of how this commission played itself out, the prototypical place you're going to want to look is the book of Acts. And inside there, we're going to see a whole bunch of go people, not least of which the man, the myth, the legend, the apostle Paul. Uh, and so we'll take a look at just, just two examples really quick. Okay, so this is from Acts chapter 13. And it says, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, which sounds, he must have been hoity-toity, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, I would submit that that's a fairly textbook example of a faith community sending someone out to go. But we also read just a few chapters later in Acts chapter 16, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, Paul's not just a go guy. He is a go, go, go kind of a guy. And uh, I'm, I'm, for what I'm grateful for the fact that he was uh, willing to answer that call because in some respects, we have not just the church, but also a lot of the New Testament because of it. So Paul exemplifies for us this sort of sent aspect of go. But also in the book of Acts, we see not just sent, but we also see scattered. A few chapters earlier from the ones we read in Acts chapter 8, on that day, a great persecution broke out. And that day that we're talking about is the day that St. Stephen, who was the, the first uh, martyr recorded in the New Testament after Jesus, that is, first person, first Christian follower to have died for his faith. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who've been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, if you take the time to read through the book of Acts, and if you haven't, I'd suggest that you do, and observe the places where people are specifically called or made to go, I think you're going to notice a whole bunch of them. You're also, however, if you keep your eyes open, going to notice a whole bunch of people who are not currently going to a certain place. They don't seem to have a destination in mind. They just happen to be living for Christ kind of wherever they are. And I think you would have to work really hard to read into the text somehow that that's a bad thing. In fact, I don't find too many places where it says that what they're doing in those moments is wrong. I'm not going to rattle off a bunch of examples, but let's take a look at one that I bet you a lot of you will know. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now you could say, 
you know, I'm kind of cherry picking a verse, low hanging fruit. We know what happens next, right? Like actually this happens before the great scattering. Well, let's look again at Acts chapter 13, the, the verses that we looked at just a few moments ago. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menean, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands and sent Barnabas and Saul, bracket, off. So what about Simeon? What about Lucius? What about Menean? What about the unnamed people in their story? What about the low-profile people who are members of that church? What's their story? How were they called to fulfill the Great Commission? The point is, the text doesn't actually tell us. Now, I'm not saying that the presence of these texts or our understanding of them should somehow overshadow these other texts or our other understanding. What I'm saying is that actually, as we read through the the way that the Great Commission unfolded itself, you'll actually see both things happening at the same time. You see, the Great Commission is not just a, a, a command that was given to 11 people on a mountainside, but it was a command that was given to 11 people on a mountainside. And yet at the same time, it was also a lasting, enduring command that was given from Christ to his body here on earth, which is, of course, the church. And as a body, as a living, breathing, growing, and and changing body, it will manifest itself in different times and in different seasons through different people for different different purposes in some respects, and yet ultimately at the end, all of those differences are wrapped up and are serving one goal, namely the building of his kingdom here on earth. See, that's the understanding. Sometimes you go, but sometimes you're going. Different churches and different people, they, they emphasize one of those kind of aspects or callings over the other. And, and maybe for a time and for a place, that's okay. But ultimately, in the end, the church, those who are called to follow after Jesus, we have to live our lives, even our corporate life, the way that Jesus himself did. You know, the Gospels give us all kinds of little snapshots and glimpses into the life of Christ. And even though we wish we had a whole lot more, if you read through them, I think it's really easy to see that Jesus was a kind of a go person, right? I mean, not only did he have one goal in mind, namely the cross and, you know, what came on the other side of that, but there's all these different instances as you're reading through where he, he's obviously going from one place to another place, like purposefully. He was a man on a mission. And yet he didn't wait until he got to those places to be who he was. He was who he was every step of the way. I mean, we don't have the opportunity to go through too many examples here, but if we take a look at just one. So Matthew chapter 14. He had just heard the news that John the Baptist, his friend, his ministry partner, and his cousin even, had lost his life. And you can see here that he's deeply impacted by this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He's, he's going to recoup, to regroup to grieve. He's going from here to there. But hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them 
and he healed their sick. Why? Because Jesus was who Jesus was everywhere that Jesus went. See, sometimes you go and sometimes you're going. And church, that is how we need to live together. Both the go and the going, both the mission and the day-to-day life. I hope, maybe, that you're starting to get a sense of why I took just a few moments to take a look at grammar together. See, church, in this, in this community and in this season, I believe that we need to catch on to the fact that regardless of our age, regardless of our ethnicity, regardless of our education level or of our employment level, regardless of our, our gender or our bank account or our successes or our failures, that, that all of us, all of us, who are following after Christ need to do so and need to witness by the power of the Holy Spirit to the fact that Jesus Christ is king to the glory of God the Father because this world needs all hands on on deck. There are no passenger seats on this particular boat. Now, okay, yeah, I'll allow it, I'll allow it. I see that hand see both of them. So here's the thing. We can't do it by ourselves. We, we can't even do it. We can't even do it with all of us together unless, of course, Christ goes with us. But here's the good news today is that sometimes you go and sometimes you're going, but if we're going with him, then he is going with us. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to close the service together today in communion. And, uh, there is an ancient text of the church that's not in the, it's not in the Bible, uh, but it's a very old text called the Didache, or the, the Teaching of the Twelve. And in this, in this text, uh, the writers, they, they talk about communion as, uh, as when, they, when they reference the bread, they say that this bread was once wheat that was scattered abroad the fields, and yet it was brought together, winnowed, and it was sifted and it was kneaded, and it was now one loaf. And yet, in the moment of communion, it becomes what? It becomes broken again. It becomes scattered. And I believe that that's a a powerful image, church, for, for us here, for us today. And that's what I see in the coming years, not months, weeks, but years for the life of this community, is that we are, in some respects, a staging ground for the kingdom There is ministry that is going to be happening that we have no idea about, and it's going to be led by people like you. And when we come together, all we're doing is being regrouped and essentially sent out again. And my friend and a board member, um, his name is Uche, he's going to be leading us in communion in just a few minutes. A few years ago, he was uh, an immigrant, like many of you, to this place. Uh, And yet now he is, uh, like I said, a member of our board, a very active leader within this church. And so we're really proud to be able to have him lead us in communion this morning. Before uh, we even get to that, though, I want to turn your attentions to the screens. And we're going to see a video uh, from a couple different people. And it's just one example, one of the ways that just by going through our life with our eyes kingdom focused, huge impacts can happen. And so it's my prayer that through this, through the story, your eyes will be opened as well. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. 
See you next time.